Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Podcast Network. I am one of your usual hosts, Gregory Bosco, and with me as always are uh, Derek and Jeremy. Guys, go ahead and give yourselves a quick hello. Hello. (laughs) Well, we're back. We took a week off. You know, last week, uh, that was kind of on on me, guys. I know I was sick, kind of threw our schedule off. We tried rescheduling. Uh, Then I blew power out to half my house. Yeah, he had an electrical fire. (laughs) <laughs> no, there's no fire. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta add drama, man. This is we're talking about Star Trek. It needs drama. You I need this. to reverse the polarity on the main deflector. You did a Geordi barrel roll and everything. Or cool the original leak. series cool excuse you ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, out of gas. <laughs> Anyways, we're back with our with the weekly Mechbah, which is when we compare some of our favorite Star Trek episodes for Mechbah! Mechbah! For specific topics, you know, this week's topic is our favorite Riker episode from season two. But before we get into that, Derek, Jeremy, we've got some news to talk about. Some pretty big Star Trek news over this past week. So, Jeremy, why don't you take off and talk about the Saturn Awards if you've got if you've got the info in front of you? Oh, Derek's got all the info in front of him. Derek I'm, does. I'm not prepped for this. Derek, take the take the reins, buddy. <laughs> so yes, the Saturn Awards uh, were this uh, past week which is a big deal it's a precursor to the emmys that is in the middle of july which is of course also very important and star trek discovery walked away with two count them two different awards which is really exciting for the show um basically uh Sonequa martin green won the saturn award for best actress on television for michael burnham uh, which is really cool so congratulations to Sonequa Martin-Green. She is just awesome. And the show won the Saturn Award for Best New Media Television Series, which is kind of an interesting category. But to tell you what it was up against, um, it was up against shows like Black Mirror and The Handmaid's Tale and Altered um, Altered Carbon, as well as Stranger Things. So lots of competition. Um, It was nominated in five total categories, but it won those two. And Star Trek Adjacent, the Orville won the Saturn Award for Best Science Fiction Television Series. Yay. Greg's favorite show. (laughs) It's not my non-favorite show. It's just meh. So it's it's good stuff. For those who don't know, the Saturn Awards basically focuses on sci-fi, fantasy, horror type stuff. So that's the type of show that's really going to be in the competition here. You're not going to see any of the NCISs or CSIs or Grey's Anatomy type shows in the Saturn Awards. So. They have one of the worst websites I've seen in probably the last 10 years. <laughs> oh, really? I've never actually gone to their website. Just SaturnAwards.org. I, I just pulled it up to look at what else won, and it's just like... 
neon green text over a looping background it's just like such garbage remember the days of geocities it kind of looks like a geocities website yeah almost. it's like one step up from an angel fire website fantastic yeah i had a geocities it was good times oh we all did <laughs> shameful shameful hey Decade. i ran i ran my fantasy football league on geocities before yahoo had a, a fantasy sports section so there there has to be some fandom law about not talking about fantasy football on a star trek podcast well we've just done it mister you are against the law wait a second i kind of support Derek with his fantasy football discussion yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> sorry jeremy two three two out of three votes can't be you wrong jocks <laughs> bullying me all right, all right, all right. So the other piece of news, who wants to take that one? Or I can keep talking. It's I'll jump on it. The whole uh, <laughs> the whole initial Patrick Stewart verbal discussion about being willing to return to Star Trek, which There's I think... so many qualifiers. Well, it, you know, because let's be honest. <laughs> the it, initial of the hypothetical of the verbal. Hey, I think in this day and age, until we actually see a signed contract, it's all rumor. I mean, well, there, yeah. are, there are people who make their living on Twitter and Facebook by by fighting posted news <clears throat> like the clickbait people. Oh, Greg, those don't those people aren't making a living. <laughs> uh, they're doing something. They're making the same living that we are doing this. So <laughs> here we go. Nothing. <laughs> but let me ask you guys. This. Please go to our Patreon. <laughs> we know Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, please go to our Patreon. Uh, we will we will do voice recorded messages no, to your friends. <laughs> Anyways, if Patrick Stewart was actually willing to come back, what would you guys think about that? Uh, there would have to be a damn good reason for it. I would I would hate to see it be just kind of a stunt. I I have the answer. I do. What if he's so, playing his old man version from All Good Things? Ooh, that'd be cool. No, I don't think that's what they're gonna do. I have a hunch. I, this is this is my hunch. We're gonna right now in episode thirty five of Red Shirts and Runabouts. I think. They're going to do an animated show for Next Generation. Oh, you think animated? It worked for the original series. They brought back almost every uh, actor who was able to voice their characters, except for Walter Koenig, who was a writer on the show. And I think that they could easily bring back the Next Generation as an animated series and bring back the cast because they've they've aged out of being able to play most of their characters, especially uh, Brent Spiner, because Data is not supposed to age like that. Um, though there's some discrepancies there, I suppose. And I think they could do a half-hour animated series on CBS All Access with the original cast, and I think it could be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd watch it, but I wouldn't watch it as hard as if it was just like the back half of season two of discovery the the spore drive knocks them into the future and it's just an aged up partial enterprise crew that are helping them with something i don't think that would work though because it wouldn't look like the next generation see they're able to get away with the different designs a little bit because it's there's a gap you know but if they just show up and it's the enterprise e or f or something you know yeah, well, I think they could it, make it you know, work. LeVar Burton hasn't aged. That's true. Maybe that's somehow going to be, he's going to be tied into this at some point. Because he looks like his part from that one clip of Voyager when he's like captain of the USS Challenger. Yeah. Which would just be oh, amazing. Man. I mean, I, I know timeless. it's likely not going to happen. Ironically, the episode is timeless. Yeah, it's timeless. <laughs> As LeVar Burton is. Um, 
But I don't know. So a lot of this had to do with rumors. Uh, well, not rumors, but the fact that Alex Kurtzman and his production team got a five-year renewal on their contract. And it included some language to expand Star Trek on television, which could include new shows, miniseries, spinoffs, animation, and so forth. So animation was listed as a possible uh, avenue for Kurtzman and his team. So it's already not out of the question. And then there are all these rumors swirling about Patrick Stewart because he made the statement about how he hasn't watched Discovery, but he might have a reason to in the future. And now he's got some verbal agreement. So... Um, I think that it's more likely that it would work in an animated format than having him show up on Discovery. Uh, I disagree. I think one one-off episode where a time-displaced Picard, Admiral Picard, I think that would be really cool. Well, first off, I don't think Picard ever becomes an admiral. I think he becomes an ambassador and retires number one but most importantly here keep in mind season two of discovery is going to include the enterprise we're going to have captain pike i think shoehorning in the next generation is a little much yeah that's true i want it though <laughs> well yeah shoehorn shoehorns are very useful they are a <laughs> okay not well, always a bad I, thing i want to i want to go with jeremy on this because i think you guys both make a good point but Star Trek Next Generation shoehorn is one thing. I think to 21st century, 2018, 2019, 2020, I think if they were to do that, most fans would be like, oh, okay, I get it. Well, it also could tie to the the Enterprise A, whatever story that is, because it could be like, because of what happened in something that we did, we messed up the timeline, and now we have to go forward with the spore drive to see what Picard's up to and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm like obviously it's a TV show. They can write whatever the hell they want. I'm I'm thinking that in season two to introduce the Enterprise and Captain Pike and possibly some other characters from previous canon, and then adding Next Generation would be too much fan service. Yeah, that's true. Still, that's animated all. would be lame. Blech. Oh come on, the animated series is a lot of fun. They were able to do so much more on a, on a smaller budget because it was animated. You know, think of all the cool alien creatures that we got, and they could walk around outside the ship and stuff like that. I mean, doing that on a live action budget's tough. Well, yeah, but that's that's the appeal of it is is doing it in live action. You can do anything in animated; it doesn't matter. Well, but you look at uh, you know not to to bring up a sensitive subject, but you have Star Wars, Clone Wars, and Rebels, both very successful. Oh yeah, I would I would watch it if it was. I mean, I'll watch it regardless, whatever it is. But uh, I think CG would be a different. Than... Well, I didn't necessarily mean hand drawn like That's Futurama. True. You know, I just meant animated in some respect. You're not referencing the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons TV show, the cartoon. Not, not quite. No. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I would want it updated from the actual Star Trek the animated series. I don't need it to look like that. I will say, I think Star <laughs> Trek as a property. And uh, there's a very select few people that agree with me on this. Not many, but a few. I actually think Star Trek has more to offer as a media than Star Wars. Because with Star Wars, if you vary anything off of The Last Jedi, or um, like Luke Skywalker or whatever, people freak out. With Star Trek, if you create a whole new timeline or do animated or do this, and I know people always go, oh, there's a toxic fan out there. But the bulk of the fans are like, okay, we'll try something new. Hell, we... The Star Trek fans went from the original series to Next Generation to Deep Space Nine to Vo- 
and they all pretty much stuck around. Yeah, there were highs and lows, but I think an animated show or something along those lines, I think most fans would would at least give a sh- uh, a chance to. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think there's a real possibility. And I say that while also admitting that even though I'm happy Discovery won two Saturn Awards, I don't think Sonequa Martin-Green deserved hers. Just because Aww. I like her, but I actually thought Doug Jones stole the show more than anything. I know he obviously wasn't nominated for Best Actress. I'm just... He was well, also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Unfortunately, a lot of those creature-type actors like Doug Jones and like Andy Serkis aren't really recognized for their talent because it's not it's not put on the same level as acting without those types of prosthetics and things of that nature. I mean, I thought Andy Serkis should have been nominated for his role as Caesar in The Last Planet of the Apes, the war, war for Planet of the Apes. But that's not going to happen. You know, and Doug Jones, unfortunately, he did not get nominated. I... I I really, or no, he well, he was nominated, but he he didn't win, right? And the fact that he was nominated, I think, is a big deal. I would have been shocked if they had had, you know, selected him as the winner for it, just because that that type of thing just doesn't really happen. That's a good point. But also, Star Trek Discovery has an episode that's still nominated for a Hugo Award, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go uh, Man Go Mad, mm-hmm. and that's still pending. That's that's a huge nomination as well for a Star Trek series. Uh, speaking of speaking of Trek writers, we should uh, bring up the fact that um, Harlan Ellison died. Yes, yeah, he wrote that was, um, that was sad. "City on the Edge of Something." City on the Edge of Forever, dude. Yeah. Oh, he knew it. He was just testing you. <laughs> uh, yes. So Harlan Ellison did uh, did pass away um, last week, June twenty seventh, twenty eighth. Definitely sad. Uh, born in the 1930s, early 1930s, if I remember correctly. So, you know, it's a good uh, run. Yeah, it's a good run, right? Um, so, you know, good for him. And definitely, I mean, City on the Edge of Forever is widely considered to be the best episode of Star Trek. Um, and there's a cool, I believe, it's a four issue miniseries comic book of uh, his original story, which had been adapted to the episode, but his actual original story done. Um, for City on the Edge of Forever, that's really cool. Oh, was that the time travel one? Yes. That was so good. That was a really good episode. <laughs> I can't tell if you're trolling me or not. No, I... We watched the first... Yes. The, yeah. It's the first time I've seen any of those. I don't know any of the shit. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the animated series either. The The Guardian. It's the big roundish portal that they jump through and they have to let yeah. the... You know, um, they have to let the woman die or Hitler and the Nazis win World War II. Yeah, it's it's the portal that I get all of my characters from in uh, Star Trek Timelines. Yes, yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. The other thing about Harlan Ellison I wanted to mention, he was also instrumental in Babylon 5. Oh, yeah. Which is a very underrated sci-fi show, but he was one of those people that kind of bridged the gaps among multiple shows and multiple fandoms. Haven't seen it. It's on Amazon Prime. I, I definitely recommend it. Oh, no. No thanks. <laughs> what do you mean no? No thanks. I have so much new stuff to watch. It's not like no you're that back. busy. I'm pretty busy. Yeah, you'll be fine. You're 40 okay. minutes long. You'll be good. Just listen to him while you're waiting for the subway. Does LA <laughs> Take... have a subway? I don't know. Yeah, but nobody uses it. 
Well, it sounds like you'd avoid a lot of traffic then. Sure. All I'd have to do is drive and park at the subway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, sorry guys for going off on the Babylon 5 30 second thing. It's fine. It's fine. So that's it. That's it for news. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll move on to our Mechba. Mechba. So best Riker episode. Yeah. You know, if we're going by uh, timeline, I guess that means, Jeremy, you're first up, right? Uh, sure. So uh, I think this is I the best. Wait, that's if we're going in order that my episode aired first. Oh, for fuck's sake. With all these airing dates. No, my, my episode's number nine. Yours is 14. Derek, then, you go first. <laughs> so, I'm just saying, my, mine aired in February. Fine. Yours yeah, aired in go. April. The Arbiter has, success and has, re- has ruled. Derek will go first. <laughs> All right, so are we, we're just doing this. So basically, we're, we're um, for those who are just joining us, our Mechbot consists of two of our hosts uh, picking an episode for the given topic of the week. We will state our case for that episode. And then the third host, in this case, Greg, will pick a winner. And then we will also post a poll on Twitter. You can follow us at RedShirtsPod for our poll. And you can vote after you listen to the episode for which one you think is the winner. And we'll talk about the results uh, in the episode. So we'll talk about last week's results towards the end of this episode after we cover all of this. So, okay, uh, we start off with just an expo- a, a, a quick summary of what each episode is to kind of give everyone a chance to jog their memories. So we're doing the Best of Riker Season 2 of The Next Generation, and this is our first Season 2 episode. We'll do two more in the next couple of weeks before we move on to Season 3, and you can go back and check out Season 1. So my episode is episode nine of season two, which is The Measure of a Man. Um, And uh, Memory Alpha basically summarizes it as Picard must prove Data is legally a sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law when transfer orders demand Data's reassignment for study and disassembly. And the reason uh, more about this episode, of course, is that this is the... um, kind of the famous what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, what it means to uh, have a soul kind of episode and um, whether or not Data has any any real rights. Um, so there's some threads of slavery in here. And the big issue is that Picard must fight, basically defend Data and uh, show the, quote, court, <laughs> so to speak, that Data is a sentient being. And unfortunately... The task of going against Data is given to Riker, Um, and it's a very tough situation for him, but he's basically pushed into a corner where he has no choice. Either he does this to the best of his abilities and try and prove that Data does not have rights, or if he chooses not to, or if he decides to um, uh, flop, then it'll just be ruled against Data. And that'll be the end of it. So that's basically what the measure of a man is about. That is a very good summary. Cool. Um, okay. Is that all we're doing for that one? Or am I supposed to talk, talk Icarus factor now? Yeah. So then you'll, you'll give a, a brief summary of the Icarus factor and then we'll go into our, our arguments. Oh, okay. So summary first, then arguments. Got it. Um, yeah, so Icarus Factor is about, uh, 
I mean, there's there's an a story of Riker's father coming aboard to uh, introduce the the concept of of Riker being offered a new ship, um, or the the command of the USS Ares. Uh, so this is another situation in which Riker is is being offered command, um, but it's also his first. Uh, first time seeing his father in 15 years so his very very estranged father who kind of uh left his him and his mother after or i forget i forget the order of things he, did his mother die and then his dad left or his dad left and then his mother died i don't know maybe you should have watched the episode i did like two and a half <laughs> weeks ago so the, his mother dies and his father just can't handle it and just pieces out basically all yeah. right um but yeah so he sees his father and he's got a very tense relationship with his father and uh then he also finds out pulaski had uh, a relationship with his father that she never tells him about which uh kind of goes into my folder of uh catherine pulaski is a piece of shit because catherine pulaski is a piece of shit um Whew. come on we all know. No, I'm just, I'm just sad because uh, so next week is going to be our best of Pulaski and Jeremy will not be able to join us, unfortunately. So. Yeah, because of the topic of the episode. <laughs> um, so they're yeah, they he is trying to push this command on him and Riker is just it isn't having it. And uh, they the climax is kind of this battle this very like faux japanese cyber duel that kind of looks like an american gladiators uh event where they have this faux samurai cyber armor and these boken whatever staffs that have like a little laser pointer on one end it's kind of ridiculous uh but uh riker or you know william riker finds out that his father riker is uh has been cheating their entire adult lives at this at this combat and it kind of gives new context to their weird relationship uh and they kind of have a tense uh re uh i don't know reconciliation but not really because he kind of just says i'm not taking the command get out of here dad and we never hear about him again so it's yeah and that's about it also Worf wants to have some kind of weird birthday party on the holodeck, which he does. It's not his birthday party. Oh, it's the you know tenth anniversary of Worf's Age of Ascension, where he gets stabbed with pain sticks that can make the alien's brain explode. It's very intense, but it's basically uh, you know Wesley Crusher annoying Worf until he annoys him so bad he makes him happy. That's the B story of this episode. Okay. So there you have it. Those are our two episodes. So uh, before we dive into the Mechba and talk about why we think our individual episode is the better Riker episode, we're going to take a quick break. Hey guys, it's Derek of Gamer Heroes, the Heroes Podcast Network's dedicated video game podcast series. Join us every other week as John and I talk video game news, what we're playing now, and other major topics in the video game industry. We cover everything from esports to indie games. We also interview developers and publishers. So join us every other Wednesday for new episodes. We'll see you there. All right. 
So we are back. It is time to enter the Mechba. It is the Measure of a Man versus the Icarus Factor for the Best of Riker Season 2 of The Next Generation. Uh, Jeremy, would you like to start things off? Oh, opening arguments? Yeah. Well, if the measure of these two episodes is which is the most Riker, uh, I think I definitely win that one because there are two Rikers. Uh, which, you know, <laughs> is double the Riker. I mean, that's just math. You don't see double the Riker again until whatever episode he gets cloned in the teleporter. And we meet, uh, what's what's his clone's name? Not Thomas. Will. Thomas, Thomas. Riker, yeah. yeah. Who becomes a Maquis villain later on. Um, but no, I think this is like the prototypical Riker episode because you not only see this very um childish dynamic in Riker where he is is kind of this like you know petulant child with daddy issues which is kind of why it makes so much sense that he has this loyalty and adulation to Picard because who wouldn't want Picard to be their surrogate father um but at the same time we just we kind of see uh so many things that are like we see him address his love for Troy in in the discussion about whether or not he's going to be leaving for this new command and, and won't be with her anymore. Uh, we see him turn down the command of another ship, which is like the most Riker of Riker moves, because I think he does that over the course of the series four different times where he's offered commands of, of very prestigious ships and, and always turns it down. Um, we get this big piece of will's backstory with the death of his mother and the estrangement of his father and this all this backstory about uh his childhood in alaska and these photos of him uh fishing with his father it's just like this is one of the biggest i mean this is one of the first times we really learn who will is as a character um you know plus crazy Japanese fighting Anbo Ijitsu match thing, which is, is just fun. It's just good, good, clean fun. Interesting. I mean, I'll take a little bit of issue with the double the Riker because I feel like the intention of the episode was William Riker and we were shortening it because of the title. So yeah, my bonus Riker, extra Uh Riker. I think it's just the one William Riker. If if we were now if we were doing the episode Second Chances, then then you're right. It's literally double the William Riker. Well, yeah, of course. You know, um, but in this case, I, I, I don't really know that that really counts here. But um, Kyle Riker still functions as a reflection of who caused Will to become who Will is. So it's it's not. I mean, it's it's a dumb joke to say it's double the Riker, but it's also very relevant that there is an additional Riker in this episode who informs upon Will as a character. And it's like this, as as far as being the most Riker of second season episodes, the, the B-plot is literally just goofing off in the hologram and like data coming up with a solution to fix the warp drive that a a team comes on and they come up with the same thing. It's like the B and C stories are the most inconsequential. Like usually when you have a very story focused episode, there's at least a planet that might explode in kind of the background (laughs) plot. But this one, it's, it's just like absolutely nothing is going on in the background except for like Worf 
getting the shit zapped out of him by his friends on, on the holodeck. But it's, it's just a very like, and getting all the backstory stuff about Riker being from Alaska and uh, again, like just turning, turning down command of a starship. It doesn't get more Will Riker than that. That's just what he does. It's like, he's built to, to be number one. The arbiter has a comment. Derek's objection is overruled. I support support Jeremy's inclusion of the dual Riker theory. Hey, all right. It's not a theory, though. It's actually implementation of a theory. So there you go. What is it? A theory is something that can be tested? A hypothesis that can be tested? I don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Sure. Yes, a hypothesis. Fine, fine. So I think, but the, the whole point here is you're talking about how this gives us a lot of background for Riker, that we learn where he came from, we learn a bit about his family, he turns down the first of, of several commands that he turns down over the course of the show. Um, and that I, I think that while these are important things, right, obviously anybody who's offered the command of a starship to turn that down is no no small task, no small decision. I think these are just examples of pieces of Riker we've already seen. And, you know, I'll get to that a bit when we talk about my episode, because I think that a lot of what we see from Riker here is already done in the measure of a man. So, yeah, we get to see him fight with his father. We get to learn that Pulaski had a relationship with him. They get to do their their fighting in that, in that game that I can't remember the name of. Um... It's really butchered fake Japanese. Yeah, I mean, I, in all honesty, I'm not like not being Japanese myself. I don't know if this was offensive at all to people. So if if you do know, I'd be interested. You know, hit us up on on Twitter at Red Shirts Pod because I'm curious if if this is, was offensive to anybody or not. I have no idea. I just know uh, that the Japanese that they say is is like the worst. They say like, uh, at the beginning they're like. Yoshirosku Onegaishimasu, and it's like, oh no! As as someone who speaks pretty bad Japanese, it's like you, you needed you needed at least someone on set who could speak the language to give them some tips because it was rough when they're starting their Anbo Jujutsu match, which they yeah. butcher like they say like three different times in three different Anbo ways. Jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's a little weird, and yeah, they get to fight with each other, but it really just comes off as. Two alpha males who, you know, for lack of a better term, are just kind of having a dick measuring contest with each other. And I, I think that's I don't know Will. if that's fair. They're they're both clearly still very traumatized by the death of of Kyle's wife and and Will's mother, and that that void has kind of been between them for a very long time. And and it's kind of that's that's the whole arc of this story is the reconciliation of of that void between them it's it's not just an an alpha dog uh growling match it's it's a a strange son and father coming back together after a long period of of kind of mourning something that they've never talked about as a unit to 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 kind of write it off as ah they're just alpha dogs it's like that's not seeing the full picture here so are are you guys familiar with the episode family when Picard goes back home after he was assimilated. Yes, of course. And he meets with his brother and everything. Yeah. So they have a little throwdown as well in the mud. And I felt, I felt like that interaction was leaps and bounds better than this one. Yeah. But it's also what six or 
th- th- three, four seasons later? It's a, like a season and a half, two seasons later. It's in season four. Yeah, but that's that was like very a be- very, very different show by that point. Four. They well, they had the time to work on some of that stuff. And sure, it's also sure, but I, Picard. <laughs> well, yes, I know. But my my point is more along the lines of this this fighting that the Rikers do with each other doesn't really work for me it came off as just two tough guys pushing each other around and it turns out one of them has just been cheating the entire time <laughs> just so he could beat his son you know so Since he was 12 what a loser he couldn't be the 12 year old son <laughs> at this thing that's clearly a very physical it's like how could you not just like totally whisk a 12 year old off the mat yeah that's pretty funny that's pretty funny will must have um, had like a real early growth spurt he was like six feet tall at 12 years old so I don't know. I guess for me, this this episode is about Riker, but I don't feel like we learn a whole lot about who he is inside. We learn factual stuff. We learn, you know, that his mother died and his father left shortly after that. We learn that his father was with Pulaski at one point, and we learn that again. I guess it's actually the second time Riker passes up command and wants to stay on the Enterprise because he'd rather be second in command on the flagship. Um, but that's not even the first time he's done that. He actually did that earlier in the show in the first season when, now that I, I think about it. So, you know, a lot of this isn't new Riker. It's just some facts to help the foundation of the character. I disagree, but go Very ahead. Very well. Very well. Talk about your data episode that Riker happens to be in. Well, I actually don't know that it's a data episode as much as it's a picard episode but that's not the point fair enough the point here is not which episode is more riker the episode is which is the best riker and i I, to start things off with just so i'm remembering there's no b plot in the in the measure of a man right it's your episode i don't know just just refreshing my memory here do you guys remember a b plot i do not think there's a b plot Oh, I don't know. Not to the level of the other episodes we've done. Okay. So this episode focuses almost 100% on this trial, so to speak, over Data and his rights. And while Picard has to struggle with a lot of this as the responsibility to prove Data is sentient, um, it's the easier ethical job. It might be the harder factual job, right? It might be harder to prove that data is sentient but from a moral ethical perspective picard knows it's the right thing he's not you know uh, struggling with himself through much of the episode especially you know after he meets with guinan but riker on the other hand is put in what must be one of the worst possible positions anybody could ever be in he is told that he has to try and prove that his friend is nothing but a bunch of bolts and wires or they will just say that he's a bunch of bolts and wires. I mean, they are friends, and they, they, they start this from the beginning of the episode when they're playing poker. There's the moment with Riker and Data in the uh, the conference room, um, you know, where Riker is really bothered by this and doesn't have any real choice and has to struggle with that when he's doing his research in that one room that we never see again. Um and he finds the schematics for Data and he learns about the off switch that we as viewers remember from Data Lore. Um, Riker has that really struggling moment where he discovers, hey, this is great. I can win with this 
but realizing what that means at the same time. This is a man who it always does his best, that he's always striving to be better, that he wants to be at the top of his field, at the top of his rank all the time. That's who he is. Making mistakes is something he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to do anything but his best. But his best here may sentence his friend to essentially death. And the fact that he brings his A game and is able to push through the pain that he has when he takes Data's arm off or shuts Data off all completely, yeah, uh, just shuts him down completely. He is angry, he is upset, he is torn, and he knows that he has no choice but to do these things. And at the end of the episode, when he and Data meet, finally we learn that he he can't he can't even really look at himself in the mirror. He's ashamed of what he had to do, what he almost accomplished. And I feel like this episode tells you everything you need to know about who Riker is as a person through and through. Also, the first appearance of the officer's poker game, which is awesome. Oh, is it really? That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I do like when they play poker. It's always a good time. And O'Brien was involved, which, you know, I'm always a big O'Brien fan. So, but do you guys have any any thoughts or comments on that? On the measure of a man? Uh, just that it's as far as being a good measure of Riker's Rikerness, it's <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a of course Riker is going to defend him. I mean, it's I I feel like we didn't see anything new. It would it would be an amazing look at Riker's kind of uh, adherence to duty and and feelings about Data as as a friend if he were the one who was trying to like you know go the other way. What do you mean? He was the one going the other way, right? Sorry, <laughs> I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's my point though, right? So Picard has the easy job from an ethical perspective. Right. To Riker defend his has friend. Riker has to do the other way, yeah. Yeah, Riker off has his arm. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I can't imagine that being, you know, like that's that's got to be incredibly difficult and he goes through it throughout this entire episode from the moment it's decided. I mean, he's one of the first people in the episode to say that of course Data's alive. Like why would you even question it? In his mind, it was never really a question and you know, that's that's a that's a big journey he's taken from the very first episode when he meets Data on the holodeck. Yeah. You know, and he's unsure about having an android on the bridge and what that means. And by the end of the episode, he's kind of changed. And by now, you can tell he sees Data as from a not from a rank perspective, of course, but from a worth perspective, seeing Data being just as alive as he is. And but is the that idea... a reflection of Riker, or is that Data? Like it, it's. It what we learn about Riker is his feelings towards Data, which is is great. But as far as being the best Riker episode of the season, it's it's the best Data episode of the season, and it's one of the best Picard episodes of the season. But Riker does something that he doesn't want to do, and but you know, great. <laughs> well, it's not as simple as doing something that he doesn't want to do. He has to do something that goes against the fiber of his being right like the only he's very way to dutiful give... that's that's always well, been Riker's thing is that he's very dutiful but it's not duty he's not doing it because of duty he's doing it for his friend 
he's not doing it because he was ordered to do it. He, because when he's initially ordered to do it, he says, well, no, I'm not going to do that. He actually says no. And then she responds by saying, well, if you don't do it, then that's it. Data's property. So he's not doing it for duty. He's actually doing it for the ethical, moral reasons. He's doing it because he believes in his friend and he cares for his friend and he believes that Data is more. Well, that's still what... a kind of duty. It's duty to his friend. I mean, I, I guess you could call it that, but that's not the same thing as just blindly following orders. It's following a code. It shows you who, what Riker's code is, what he believes in and what he is willing to fight for. Well, yeah. He's, he's very loyal and dutiful in this regard. Well, yeah, but I feel like this episode shows you more about him than the Icarus Factor does. The Icarus Factor just shows you that he's mad at his dad. That's... There was a, you learn who he is. You learn his background. Well, again, that's factual stuff. But in this one, you learn how he deals with what's got to be one of the most difficult situations a person can be put in. To basically, in order to save your friend's life, you have to try and execute him. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this pushes who he is, pushes his boundaries farther than really anything else that he has to deal with that comes to mind at the moment. Outside of, of the two episodes, just in general, across the shows. I don't know. Greg, what do you think? Well, I guess it's time for a formal ruling. Well, no, I mean, if you have any thoughts or comments that could lead us down any other conversations, I mean... No, I think you both have done a good job kind of explaining your positions and describing Riker. Uh, the the biggest take-up I have with The Icarus Factor is it's a fantastic episode, but it borrows a lot of those famous like anime sci-fi cliches. Oh, dead mother, father runs away. And it's like the same thing with Troy, you know dead father mother runs away and it's the same thing with wesley crusher dead father mother runs away well she doesn't really run away but you know what i mean it's just it's like next generation fell into that trope so bad with one parent dies the other parent has troubles and trials and tribulations and i also uh, concur with jeremy's argument that the problem with Measure of a Man is Riker's kind of doing what he was ordered to do. Whereas if he doesn't take a position and he doesn't represent the uh, Starfleet, they're basically going to rule against him automatically. So Riker just kind of has to do his job. So you guys you guys have put me in a difficult situation here. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is different. It's not, it's not usually... And it's funny because in my research for this episode, I've been looking up a lot of what the so-called best Riker episodes are. The funny thing is, neither of these two are usually on people's lists. What's on the list? Which surprises me. Well, like some of the ones I have found are A Matter of Honor, which was from season two when he serves on that Klingon ship. Oh, that was was one of my... I was going to pick that one if not for Icarus Factor. Mm. And, you know, A Matter of Perspective, The Best of Both Worlds, of course... Uh, but those are all later seasons. But I mean, even like the Pegasus is on there, which that's the season seven episode with the, the cloaked phasing ship, which is a great episode. I just I actually think it's a bad Riker episode. It's not because I don't like Riker. It's just because, you know, he that scene where he's like, oh, there's a mutiny. And I grabbed my phaser and defended my captain. I'm like, that. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> 
Anyways, <laughs> back to back to our episode. Uh, back to back to red shirts and runabouts on July second, twenty eighteen. What? Well, Why I'm ta- starting? I'm talking. I'm talking all these future Riker episodes that people said were best Riker, and like none of our two oh. are on there. <laughs> Which we'll is get just, there. It's just surprising to me. Yeah, we'll get there. If this was popular vote which it's not because there's only one of me i would say that that measure a man wins 52 to 48 and the thing that pushes it over the edge for me for how good of a riker episode it is remember the scene when he's looking at data schematics and he finds the switch that turns it like turns data off he smiles and he like leans towards the monitor because he realizes that he had just won because one of Riker's biggest driving factors is always kind of being the best. He wants to be the best second in command and he doesn't want to go to a new ship because he thinks he serves Starfleet better by being second in command on the flagship. And it's like that instance on that episode, he realizes I can win this case. And then you get one of the best lines of the whole episode when he actually uses it. And so, and he turns data off and he says, you know, Pinocchio is broken. It's strings have been cut. And you can see in a five-minute span, Riker at his highest point finding that fact, and then his lowest point when he face palms sitting down. And I think that's just such the quintessential what Riker's whole arc has been about, because he's always had all the ultimate highs and every ultimate low you can think of. I mean, hell, the dude had the episode where he was like tortured in his sleep. So, man, you guys, you guys broke my back, but I, I got, I got to give this one to Derek. Whatever. <laughs> hey, man, you're still talking to the guy that's 0-3 in these. I'm 0-4? I think we've only done four. Then I'm 0-whatever. Two? So Wait, Jer- three? Jeremy and I are still winless. How is that even possible? That can't be possible. You two went up against each other. One of you won. I did. <laughs> Was I that a guest win. episode? Jeremy won. Wait, which well, one did sir- I win? <laughs> we'll have to go back and listen yeah, to it. Yeah, we got to go back and listen to it now. I don't know if I like these Mechba episodes. It's so negative. <laughs> it's well, so negative. Well, all right. I'm going to have fun. I don't know. It's It seems like the judge sits out for most of it, and then so much of it is us, like, cutting down each other's arguments. I don't know. It's It feels more hostile than I wanted it to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was your idea. <laughs> it was my idea, yes. I don't like my Something idea. Something I love that the three of us are doing now. And I'm not calling anybody else out. I'm just I'm highlighting what we're doing. We're talking about episodes most people don't focus on. Because it seems like there's a lot of discussion out there on, let's talk about Best of Both Worlds, and let's talk about Yesterday's Enterprise, and let's talk about this. And we're picking some of these episodes that, like I said, I couldn't even find on these other lists. But they're legitimately yeah. good Riker episodes. Like, how is, how is the Icarus Factor and Measure of a Man not on people's top ten Riker lists? We do talk good episodes. I think that's that's true. I don't think we've had any bad episodes in our Mechaba at this point. And we've done, this is our fourth episode. So, you know, I think we've had eight really good episodes that we've had to talk about. Yeah. So last week, or well, last episode, 
uh, Jeremy was out and we had our guest Angie from KC Geeks on and uh, it was Angie and Greg uh, versus each other and uh, in our mechba for the best alien encounter of TNG season one. It was our last season one episode and the poll, I got the poll results here. Uh, it was where no one has gone before, which was Angie's pick versus the neutral zone, which was um, Greg's pick. And the results are 67% where no one has gone before. Boo. Is that the Borg one? No, that is the Traveler. The traveler. Oh. oh, yes. Yes. So, that is that, I suppose. Um, anything else you guys want to cover this week before I kind of explain to people what's coming up? Uh, I got nothing. I'm happy that I'm happy that we're back and we're going to be talking about some great episodes coming up everybody. We got some more guests lined up. Some other podcast people are joining up for uh for some guest spots. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so the next couple of weeks Jeremy is going to be out and so we are going to be bringing in a couple of guests. So next week we are doing the best Pulaski mech of TNG season 2 and the week after that I don't know yet. We'll have to we'll have to see what we come up with. Oh, we don't have the next one after that? I thought we planned that one. I know who the guest is, but we don't have a topic yet. Topic. Oh, it's okay. still it's it's still t it's still season two. It's our last season two episode. Pulaski sucks, you guys. Well, that's why we have to pick the best Pulaski. We're not going with the worst. We're not trying trying to cut her down. We're looking for the best Pulaski episodes. She banged Riker's two. dad. There's there's not no- during the show. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know All that. right. <laughs> All right. So, guys, where can people find you on the Intersphere? Greg? I am on Yahoo and Twitter at the underscore Bittersteel. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Zen Munkin, and I host a podcast about Westworld called Analysis that is on Sundays, but not this coming Sunday because we are taking a week off. Awesome. And I am the Star Trek dude on Twitter. Come talk to me. You can find us at Red Shirts Pod. That is the dedicated Twitter channel for the Red Shirts and Runabouts podcast. So please follow us there and tune in. We will be back next week. Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network. The show is hosted by myself, Gregory Bosco, along with Jeremy Munkin and Derek Mayer. The theme song is by Flying Killer Robots. You can find us as well as other Heroes Podcast Network shows at heroespodcast.com, as well as on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, and anywhere you can use an RSS feed. Follow us on social media at Heroes Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And you can also email us at contact at heroespodcast.com. Engage. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.